الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad wasallam is His slave servant and His messenger. We'd like to continue this evening uh, in this lecture number 15 from Kitab al-Tawheed al-Nazihu haqqullah ala al-Abid al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah and its explanation from al-Jaleed al-Shar Kitab al-Tawheed by Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Aziz al-Qara'awi haqidahullah This evening, the chapter that we have reached, that we have reached, is entitled "Bab Qawl Allah Taala Hatta Ida Fuzia An Kulubihim." And in this chapter, the title is taken from the saying of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in Surah Al-Saba, chapter 34, verse 23. The saying of Allah Hatta Ida Fuzia. Until when the terror and fear, anxiety is removed from their heart. These words are a portion of a verse in which the condition or the situation, the status of the malaika, the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are in fear and in terror and shaken from the effect of hearing the words of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here, before beginning, the evidences that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentioned, just quickly, I would like to mention that this chapter and the previous chapter is primarily uh, based upon the use of the evidence or the agreement of the people in general, including the pagan, mushrik, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alone the creator, that he alone has power over everything, that he is the one who gives life and causes death and so on. The acknowledgement of the pagans of the reality of the right, the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone to Tawheed al-Rububiyya, that Allah alone is the Lord of the world, the one who controls the affairs of this universe. Even the pagans agreed to this, and this chapter and the previous chapter is from this perspective, it is showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has power over everything and no one shares with him in his ruling of the universe, and therefore if he is the one who controls everything, then he alone should be worshipped. And in this chapter, it shows the greatness and the majesty, the magnificence uh, and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over everything in the universe to the extent that 
of the greatest of his creations, the Malaika, the angels, even they, especially due to their nearness to Allah and their, yani, their ma'rifah or the, the extent of their knowledge and awareness of Allah's Ta'ala's greatness and glory, to the extent that they know this, to that extent we find that they are more humble to Allah Ta'ala in submission, in submission to Him and fearing Him. And therefore, if we find that of the greatest, yani from the greatest, the mightiest of Allah Taala's creation, the angels, if they are in submission to Him and in fear of Him, then what about those who are less than them? And yani those that are called upon besides Allah Taala, the idols that are worshipped, made from stone, trees, or otherwise. Uh, and here, the Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di, rahimahullah, in his explanation or brief commentary on Kisul Tawheed, that, that this verse and this subject or this chapter showing the greatness and glory and majesty and magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a great proof of the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Tawheed, Tawheed al-Ubudiyah and the falsehood of a shirk of associating anything with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this proof is based upon those texts which indicate the greatness the magnitude, the majesty, sublimity, and power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over everything. Therefore, due to this, the angels, as well as those from this world, the angels of the heavens, the, those who are the inhabitants of the heavens, and the inhabitants of the earth, uh, their hearts are humbled at hearing the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are in submission, humble, and surrender to Him due to His greatness and glory, and due to their knowledge of this, of the superiority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over everything, and therefore they submit themselves to Him and fear Him. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the world, He is the one who everything in the creation, including the angels, submit to and fear, if He is that one who is feared by everyone and who has superiority over everyone and everything, then He also is the one who deserves to be worshipped, to be praised, to be glorified, to be thanked, and to be exalted. And He alone deserves to be worshipped. And no one besides, besides Him deserves such worship. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alone and unique in being described with the characteristics of perfection, of greatness and glory. Uh, all of it belongs to Allah alone, and no one can be described with it besides Him. Then likewise, open, obvious, or even secret worship, all of it also is the exclusive right of Allah alone, and no one should share Him, should share with Him in it in any way. So here, the Shaykh, he is making the point that if we see and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the supreme being, the one who is described with all of the characteristics of perfection and greatness and glory, magnitude, sublimity, power, might, magnificence, and so on, and there is no one who shares with Him, with him in these characteristics, then He is also the one who alone deserves to be worshipped. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, in this chapter, he mentioned the saying of Allah, حتى إذا فزع عن كلوبهم قالوا ماذا قال ربكم 
In the beginning of this verse, which the Sheikh, the Imam Muhammad ibn Duhab doesn't mention, but it's mentioned in the Sharh, the beginning of the verse is, وَلَا تَنْفَعُوا الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ That a shafa'a or intercession, meaning on the Day of Judgment, no one will be able to intercede on behalf of another. But this shafa'a doesn't benefit in the presence of Allah, it doesn't benefit anyone, إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ Except the one who Allah gives permission except for the one whom Allah gives permission to intercede. And this topic is going to come in the next chapter, the topic of intercession, the Shafa, and we will discuss it at that time. But uh, here, the part of the verse which is of importance concerning this chapter is that when the terror is removed from their heart, ماذا قال ربكم? And at the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, in the heavens, and the angels hear the speech of Allah, their hearts are filled with fear and awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, until that fear and that terror is removed from their heart. At that time, they say, They say, What has your Lord said? What has he said? And the angels, some of them say to others from amongst them, What has your Lord said? Then others of the angels answered, saying, that he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, qalu al-haq, he has said al-haq, he has spoken the truth. Al-qawl al-haq. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't speak anything except the truth. And as some of the scholars said, that here, there are two possible meanings of this expression, qalu al-haq, that he said, they said, yani in reference to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that he said al-haq, it may mean that they know what he said at that time when he spoke and they heard his voice, they know what he said, and they are saying, they are acknowledging that what he said is the truth. This is one of the possible meanings of this expression, qalu al-haqqa. And the other possible meaning is that even if they don't know what he said, they know that Allah doesn't speak anything except the truth. And therefore, they acknowledge, when they are asked what did he say, they acknowledge that it has to be the truth and nothing but the truth, since this is one of the descriptions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and one of his names, al-haqq, that he only speaks the truth. And then he ends the verse by saying, وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُ الْقَبِيرُ And that he is Al-Ali, the one who is high above everything, highly exalted above everything. And in his that, his being, is high above everything. As well as his sifat, his characteristics are lofty and noble, high, exalted. And he is Al-Kabir, the one who is mighty and majestic, who is greater than everyone, and everything is less than him, and there is nothing equal or similar to him. And these are two of the names of Allah, Al-Ali, Al-Qabir, Al-Kabir. These are two of the Asma of Allah that are confirmed in this verse. And according to the lineage of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, it is obligatory to affirm what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has affirmed for himself or what the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has affirmed for him. Here Allah describes himself with these names. Therefore we affirm that these are of the names of Allah, Al-Ali, the Most High, and Al-Kabir, the Greatest. Uh, and also, from the menhaj of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, is that from the names of Allah are derived sifat or characteristics or qualities, and the quality that is dis- that is derived from the sifa that is derived from al-Ali is al-Ulu, that Allah is high and lofty, and He is described as being high. His that, His being, His essence is high as well as all of His characteristics, and from the name al-Kabir is the sifa kibar that is similar to the sifa Adama 
from the name Al-Azim, which means majestic, great, powerful, mighty, and so on. The Shaykh says concerning this verse, the general meaning of the verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse informs us that no one will be able to intercede on the day of resurrection for anyone else, no matter who they may be. No matter who they may be. And it is the beginning of the verse, وَلَا تَنْفَعُوا الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ That intercession will not benefit anyone in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except the one who he gives permission to. Therefore, without the permission of Allah, no one may intercede. Absolutely no one, no matter who they may be, except after the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he mentions that all of the creatures of Allah, including the malaika, the angels, are in fear and fall down unconscious in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to his greatness and his glory and his magnificence. So if or when that terror and fear is removed from their hearts, then they, the angels, began to act amongst themselves, some of them asking others about the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he say? What did he reveal? And then some of them will answer others saying that he has spoken the truth, that which is firmly established, and that he is Al-Ali, the one who is high above everything, and Al-Kabir, the one who is above everything, and everything is less than him, and nothing is like him. He is the majestic, the mighty, the great. From this ayah, the Shaykh mentioned seven or six points or benefits that may be derived from it. The first of them is the negation of al-shafa'ah for anyone, that no one is allowed to intercede except by permission from Allah. We may also add here that the second of the conditions for intercession after Allah giving permission is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to be pleased with the one who is interceding and the one whom he is interceding for. And the pleasure of Allah. The permission of Allah and the pleasure of Allah are the conditions for al-shafa'ah. The second point is the confirmation of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Majesty. Allah, The greatness and glory, the limity, the might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is confirmed in this verse in that the angels, the angels that they are, that awe fills their hearts just at hearing the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, the confirmation of the sifa, sifa al-qawl, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, al-qawl, speech, yani, that, yani, as the angels recorded, that he spoke the truth. They said, ماذا قال ربكم? What has he said? So that al-qawl or speech is confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, the negation of falsehood from the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't speak any falsehood that whatever he says it is al-haq, the truth number five confirmation of sifat al-ulu characteristic of quality of al-ulu highness, sublimity, loftiness and this ulu is of types in here the shaykh mentions two types the first of them is ulu is that the highness of Allah's person, his being, 
and the second of them, Ulu al-Sifat, the highness or loftiness or nobility of Allah's characteristics or qualities. And the sixth point he mentions is confirmation of two names from the names of Allah, two of the names of Allah, and they are Al-Ali, the Most High, and Al-Kabir, the Great, the one that has no equal. No one is greater than him. And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Khalid Uthaymeen also mentioned a number of things from this ayah that are not mentioned here. Just for the sake of benefit, uh, I'll mention some of them. I'll also mention the confirmation of fear, that the angels have fear, khawf, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number two, that the angels have hearts, kulub, that the angels have hearts. And this is mentioned in the ayah. حَتَّى إِذَا فُزِعَ عَنْ قُلُوبِهِمْ قُلُوبِ That the angels have hearts when the fear is removed from their hearts. And number three, that they also have intelligence, ukul, because the place of the intellect, it is in the hearts. If they have hearts, then they also have the ability to think and to reflect and to understand. Then uh, the relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion is that this ayat indicates or points to the fear of the angels, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their submission being in awe and humbled in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is important in that if the angels, if they humble themselves in front of Allah, then what about those who are less than them? So the relationship of this verse to Tawheed itself, the Shaykh says, Shaykh Muhammad, says that this ayat indicates that the angels themselves are in fear of Allah, that they fear Allah. So how can they be called upon, supplicated, or sought help from instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? While they are in fear of Allah themselves, how can anyone call on them instead of calling on Allah? So if it is not correct, the worship of the angels, if it is not correct to worship them independently as God besides Allah, nor to worship them as gods who are intercessors between the people and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the means of a shafa'ah. Since shafa'ah, intercession is negated. If they cannot, even the shafa'ah should not be sought from them. Then if that is so, then the worship of others besides them, any other things that are worshipped besides the angels, such as the dead who are in the graves, then it is more erroneous. And it is more clearly so that it is incorrect to worship those who are in the grave. If the angels be worshipped directly or indirectly, then what about those who are dead in the grave? And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih rahimahullah, Allah Ma'ala says also concerning in his explanation of Kitab Tawheed, the relationship of this verse to the subject of a Tawheed is that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique and alone in his greatness and glory, then it is also expected or obligatory that we must single him out for al-ibadah. And if he is the only one that is great and glorious and mighty and majestic, then he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. The second evidence that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah mentions the hadith of the Prophet reported in al-Sahih. And here the expression al-Sahih he is, he is intending by this expression that is reported in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari An Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
إذا قضى الله الأمر في السماء ضربت الملائكة بأجنهتها خضعانا لقوله Here I should note that the translation of this hadith contains a number of mistakes so pay attention uh, if you are following or referring to the sharh of Kitab Tawheed by Shaykh Al-Qur'awi the translation of his of this hadith in that book contains a number of mistakes of this in this hadith the hadith of Bukhari from Abu Hurair is reported from the Prophet ﷺ that he said إِذَا قَضَ اللَّهِ الْأَمْرَ فِي السَّنَاءِ ضَرَبَتَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ بِأَجْنِهَتِهَا خُضْعَانًا لِقَوْلِهِ That when Allah decrees a matter in the heavens and Allah decrees a matter in the heavens and He decrees anything whenever Allah decrees a thing He decrees it by saying, by speech كُنْ فَيَكُنْ يعني إذا قضى إذا قضى عمراً فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُنْ Whenever Allah decrees a matter, He says to it, be, and it is. So here, the decree of a matter by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by His speech. So in this hadith, when Allah decrees a matter in the heavens, the decree of a matter by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mentioned in the Qur'an, is by His speech, by saying, be, and it is. So when He decrees a matter, the angels strike their wings in submission and humility to the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, they are in a state of humility and submission due to their hearing the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he decrees a matter. كَأَنَّهُ سِلْسِلَةٌ عَلَى صَخْوَانٍ يَنْخُضُهُمْ ذَلِكَ And here, كَأَنَّهُ سِلْسِلَةٌ It is as though it is a silsila, a chain, like a chain made from iron or steel. عَلَى صَخْوَانٍ صَخْوَانٍ means a smooth solid stone or rock. If a metal chain is dragged across a smooth solid stone, it will make a noise. And here there is a comparison. There is a comparison here that has been misunderstood. كَأَنَّهُ سِلْسِلَةٌ سِلْسِلَةٌ عَلَى سَقْوَانٍ يَنْقُضُهُمْ ذَلِكَ The meaning of this expression is that the Prophet ﷺ is comparing the sound of a chain being dragged across a smooth, solid stone. And the comparison here is not between the voice or the sound of the speech of Allah and the sound of that chain. It is not this comparison that may be, that may be understood. It is not so. Because one of the things that we learn in Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat is that there is no tashbih between the Sifat of Allah and the Sifat of anything in the creation. So there cannot be any comparison between the Sifat of Allah and here of his Sifat is this his kalam, his speech. The sound of his speech should not be compared to anything in the creation. And therefore, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih explained properly that the meaning of this comparison here is that there is a comparison between what happens to the person, the creature, when they hear the voice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sound of the voice of Allah, what happens to them? The feeling of awe and terror that overcomes them is being compared to what happens to the person who hears the sound of the chain, the metal chain being dragged across a solid, smooth stone. Yani, the feeling of fear and awe that the person might experience from hearing that sound is being compared to the fear and awe that the angels experience when they hear the sound of the voice of Allah. The comparison is between what happens to the person who hears the sound of that chain being dragged across the stone and the feeling that is experienced by the angels when they hear 
the sound of the voice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not a comparison between the sound of Allah's speech and the sound of the chain. كَأَنَّهُ سِلْسِلَةٌ عَلَى السَّفْوَانٍ يَنْفُذُهُمْ ذَلِكَ يعني this sound, the sound of the hearing the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters into their hearts, into the depths of their hearts, putting fear into their hearts and awe uh, from the greatness and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the angels hear his speech. حَتَّى إِذَا فُزِّيَ عَنْ قُلُوبِهِمْ Until And the angels are in this condition of awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear Until when that fear or terror is removed from their hearts قَالُوا مَا لَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ Then they say What has your Lord said? And this is the same expression that's used in the ayah that was mentioned above The same expression is used here in this hadith by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Making us to know that the explanation of the expression that it means when the terror is removed from their hearts, the hearts of the angels. The proof that that ayat is referring to the angels is that the Prophet has explained that this ayat is in reference to the angels' fear of Allah when they hear the speech of Allah. Then he says, They said, He has spoken the truth and He is the most high and the most great. فَيَسْمَعُهَا مُسْتَرِقُ السَّمْعَ Then the ones who steal a hearing, the jinn, the shayateen from amongst the jinn, who climb up to the heavens to steal a hearing of what is being spoken amongst the angels in the heavens, they hear, they may hear something from what the angels are discussing. فَيَسْمَعُهَا مُسْتَرِقُ السَّمْعِ The one who steals a hearing from amongst the shayateen of the jinn, the eavesdroppers, from amongst the shayateen. They hear something of the words that are spoken by the angels. And then he describes what this, those eavesdroppers from amongst the jinn or the shayateen, what they do and how they do it. He said, وَمُسْتَرِقُوا السَّمْعِ هَكَذَا And the translator has joined these two parts of the sentence together. And he said that one of those eavesdroppers and another of them hears this speech. But in fact the meaning of it is فَيَسْمَعُهَا مُسْتَرِكُ السَّمْعِ That the one who eavesdrops from amongst the jinn he hears that word and then the second expression وَمُسْتَرِكُ السَّمْعِ هَكَذَا It is a new sentence saying that the eavesdroppers from amongst the jinn or the shayateen are like this هَكَذَا And he began to describe how they steal a hearing بَعْدُهُ فَوْقَ بَعْدٍ Some of them are above others climbing upon one another وَصَفَهُ سُفْيَانِ بِكَفِّهِ and Sufyan, the narrator Sufyan ibn Yalina rahimahullah, described or demonstrated how they climb one upon another with his hand, with the palm of his hand. Faharrafaha, he bent his hand and climbed it. Wabaddala bayna asabi'ahi, and he separated his fingers. He, put, he, he inclined his hand and separated his fingers to show how the shayateen from amongst the jinn climb one upon another until they climb up to the heavens without even being connected to one another. But they climb upon one another. There are so many of them, they climb upon one another until they reach the heavens. فَحَرَّفَهَا وَبَدَّلَ بَيْنَ أَصَابِعِهِ And Sufyan is, is demonstrating with his hand, showing how the jinn, one upon one above another, climb up until they reach the heavens. فَيَسْمَعُ الْكَلِمَةَ 
then the one who is at the top who reaches the heaven, he hears the word, يعني something that is spoken by the angels, فَيُلْقِيهَا إِلَى مَنْ تَحْتَهُ Then he passes it down to the one who is underneath him, ثُمَّ يُلْقِيهَا الْآخَرُ إِلَى مَنْ تَحْتَهُ Then another one of them passes it down to the one who is under him, حَتَّى يُلْقِيهَا عَلَى لِسَانِ السَّاهِرُ أو الكاهن until finally it reaches the mouth or the tongue of the, of the magician or the soothsayer or the fortune tellers, al-kahin, those who claim to have knowledge of the future events or unseen or unknown. فَرُبَّمَا أَدْرَكَهُ الشِّهَابُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُقِيَهَا And perhaps on some occasions a flaming fire will reach that jinn before he is able to pass it on. وَرُبَّمَا أَلْقَاهَا قَبْلَ أَنْ يُدْرِكَهُ Or perhaps he may have already passed it on before the flaming fire reaches him and destroys him. So it reached one of those magicians or fortune tellers. فَيَكْذِبُوا مَعَهَا مِيَةَ كِذْبَةٍ Then he adds, the fortune teller or the magician adds to that word which has been passed down from the heavens of truth, he adds to it 100 lives. فَيُقَالُوا أَلَيْسَ قَدْ قَالَ لَنَا يَوْمَ كَذَا وَكَذَا كَذَا وَكَذَا فَيُصَدَّقْ بِتِلْكَ الْكَلِمَةِ الَّتِي سُنِيَتْ مِنَ السَّنَاةِ Then the people, it is said amongst the people, أَلَيْسَ قَدْ قَالَ لَنَا يَوْمَ كَذَا وَكَذَا كَذَا وَكَذَا Isn't it so that on such and such a day that he has said to us such and such and so and so, يعني something truthful that the fortune teller has told the truth on one occasion from that word which was passed down from the heavens. So as a result of that, فَيُصَدَّقْ Then he is believed. بِتِلْكَ الْكَلِمَةِ Due to that word, which has been heard from the heavens, he has believed in the 100 lives that he adds to it. And the fortune tellers, on some occasions, sometimes they predict something and it comes true. And based on that one prediction that came true, the people believe them. Though they add to it many, many lives. And the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih said in his shop that perhaps the meaning is literally 100 lives that add to it. Or what may be closer to being yani, true is that they add to it many lives. Yani, the meaning of 100 lives is they add to it many lives. Perhaps some of them add more lives to it, or some of them add less. The point is that they add many lives. They are known for lying. And if they get one piece of truth, they add to it many, many lives. And the people believe them due to the one truth that they have told. Here the Shaykh says concerning this hadith, that in this hadith, the Muslim of Allah وسلم, informs us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he speaks concerning any matter, and when he decrees a matter and orders it to come into being, when he speaks about any matter in the heavens, the angels fall unconscious. The angels fall unconscious out of fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his greatness and his glory. Then if that terror or fear is removed from their hearts, some of them ask others, what has the Lord, the mighty and the majestic, said? Then one of them answers, and perhaps it is Jibreel, alayhi salam, who answers, and he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken the confirmed, the sure truth, about which there is no doubt. And then he says that perhaps on some occasions, those who still are hearing the shayateen from amongst the jinns, mustarik, assam, that sometimes they listen to what has been said, these shayateen, then it is sent down, or he descends with it, and he's passing it down one by one until he passes it to a magician or to a fortune teller. And on some occasions, a flaming fire, she has, may overtake him before he can pass it on to the magician or the soothsayer and destroys him. 
and he burns him up before he can pass it on. And sometimes he may cause it to reach that magician before the flaming fire reaches him and destroys him. And if it reaches one of those sahir, magicians, or kahin, fortune tellers, then he adds to it 100 lives. Then the people believe in those lives, 99 lives, and due to the one word of truth which has been heard from the heavens. And this hadith and what it mentions about the shayateen from amongst the jinn feeling a hearing from the heavens, it is confirmed in the Quran itself in Surah Al-Jinn. If you look in Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72, verse 9, you will see the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَأَنَّا كُنَّا نَقْعُدُ مِنْهَا مَقَائِدَ لِسْتَمِ That verily, we used to sit at stations, maqaida, special seats, for listening, for hearing in the heavens. Every one of those jinn had a seat that he would sit at, a station or a place that he would sit to listen to the speech of what is taking place in the heavens amongst the angels. فَمَنْ يَسْتَمِعَ الْآنَ يَجِدْ لَهُ شِهَابًا رَصَضًا But whoever listens now, tries to steal a hearing, then he will find a flaming fire that will be waiting him in ambush to destroy him. And some of the scholars said that this was specifically during the time of the Prophet ﷺ that they were prevented from hearing so that the revelation wouldn't be corrupted or interrupted by that which, any the interference of the jinn. But after the time of the Prophet ﷺ, then the reason for that fire destroying them and stopping them from hearing or stealing a hearing, the, the reason was no longer there and therefore they were no longer prevented and they continued until now. Well, some of the scholars said that they were prevented from, the, from that time until the last day. And it appears as though the first opinion is the correct opinion, that they were prevented during the time of the prophet or during the time of the revelation, uh, to prevent any interference with the revelation. And after that, they were no longer prevented, as until now we find that some of the fortune tellers, soothsayers, and such people are uh, coming to know about some things, of future events, or some things that may be discussed amongst the decrees of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heavens amongst the angels, and they are able to report it to some people, and therefore they are believed when they sometimes and he rarely tell one truth, although mostly they tell lies. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions eight points that may be derived from it. The first of it is the confirmation of al-ulu, the loftiness or the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second of them is clarification of the greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, adhanatullah, clarification of Allah's majesty and glory. Three, confirmation of sifat al-qawl lillah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is confirmed that one of his characteristics is al-qawl, that he speaks. Speech. That he says. What he says is reported. Is heard and reported by others. Number four. Confirmation of the stealing of a hearing of what is taking place in the heavens by the shayateen, the jinn, the shayateen from amongst the jinn. Confirmation that this actually takes place and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them, or enables them to do so, ibtila'an, wamtihanan, and he has a test and a trial. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them, sometimes to steal a hearing, in order to report it to the people, so that those who would believe in them, and who would rely upon them, instead of relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it would be a test for them, and it would be a trial. Other believers would never listen to them, or believe in them. Indeed, the true believer, and the people of Sunnah, would not accept the report of any unknown, Majhu and the jinn who they are taking these reports from, they don't know them. They are unknown to them. They don't know if they are reliable fiqh or they are unreliable. Therefore, the believer can never accept the reports of those shayateen from amongst the jinn. Number five, 
the use of examples, physical or practical examples for the clarification of things that are ma'anawiyya, abstract. In this case, uh, the example of the metal chain being dragged across the solid, smooth stone and the effect that it has on the person who hears it, it might cause fear in their heart and this has been used as a demonstration or a clarification, an example of the effect in the hearts of the angels from hearing the speech of Allah in the heavens. Number six, that the source of knowledge for fortune-telling and magic it is from the shayateen. Yani these people get their information from the devils. Number seven, uh, the fact that the people, their souls or their selves, are very much attached to and inclined towards falsehood. Yani that the people believe in the falsehood of the fortune tellers, even though most of what they say is false. Yet the people are still attached to them, which is a proof that people are inclined towards falsehood. Number eight, the confirmation of lying and deception of the magicians and the fortune tellers. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter is that this hadith clarifies the status or the condition, the condition of the angels and that they are in fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this hadith confirms the awe and fear and terror in the hearts of the angels from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the relationship of this hadith to Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the angels themselves are worshipping Allah and fearing Allah. If it is not correct to make dua to them, nor to worship them. And again here, the translation in the Sharh is somewhat confused. The, the literal statement of the Shaykh here, فَإِذَا لَمْ يَصْحْ فَإِذَا لَمْ يَصْحْ دُعَاهُمْ If it is not correct or acceptable to supplicate to the angels, وَلَا عِبَادَتُهُمْ Nor to worship them. لَا إِسْتِقْلَالًا Not independently. Not to worship them independently as God independent of Allah. وَلَا وَسَطَةً بِالشَّفَاعَ Nor taking them as an intermediary or a means of shafa'ah. Yani as an intermediary between you and Allah. If none of this is acceptable, فَإِبَادَةُ غَيْرِهِمْ لَا سَفِحُ مِنْ بَابِ الْأَوْلَى Then the worship of other than the angels. It is also unacceptable and incorrect. Yani more so. It should say here that if it is incorrect to supplicate to the angels and incorrect to worship them, either independently as gods besides Allah or taking them as, as intercess, intercessors who you seek intercession from between you and Allah, if this is incorrect and unacceptable, then the worship of others than the angels is more so incorrect. The last evidence that the Sheikh mentions is a hadith which he doesn't mention its source, but that hadith has been reported by a number of scholars, including Al-Imam or Shaykh Ibn, uh, Ibn Abi Asim, Rahimahullah, in his book, Kitab Al-Sunnah, and Al-Imam Al-Tabari in his Tafsir, and Al-Imam Al-Baghawi in his Tafsir, and some others, which I don't recall at this moment. The important thing is that that hadith has been reported by some of the well-known scholars of hadith. However, it contains some defects. And Sheikh Ahmed Shafi rahimahullah said that the hadith is da'if because in its chain of narrators there is a narrator Al-Walid ibn Muslim and he waqad an'ana wa dallasa and he used the expression of an while he was a mudallis and we know that the mudallis is the one who doesn't identify his sheikh uh, by his proper name or he deletes someone from the chain 
naming someone else as a shaykh, believing perhaps someone who is weak, and therefore the hadith of the mudallis, if he doesn't say haddathani, or akbarani, or expression that makes it clear that he heard the hadith really from his shaykh, then his hadith is rejected. So if he uses such an expression as an, which in this case, al-Walid ibn Muslim used the expression of an while he was a mudallis, then the hadith is rejected for this reason. Likewise, the shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, also said the hadith is da'if for the reason of the presence of Walid ibn Muslim as well as Nu'ayn ibn Hamad, who had a bad memory. And even though Al-Imam al-Bukhari narrated some hadith through his chain, but he only used that chain while combining it with another chain, supporting it. He didn't rely upon that chain. But he mentioned his chain along with another chain which was authentic. So he didn't rely upon him actually. And uh, it is said by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani in the Taqreeb that he was Saduq, Yukhti, Kathira, that he was an acceptable and a truthful narrator, but he made many mistakes, which means that his narration should not be accepted. Unless they are supported by others. In any case, there are two defects in this hadith, and therefore the hadith should not be accepted as a proof. However, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his shah mentions that there is some shahid, yani a supporting narration similar in meaning to this hadith reported by Al-Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, and Al-Imam Ahmed in his Musnad, rahimahullah, on the authority of Ibn Abbas. Al-Imam Muslim reported in Kitab al-Salam in the Bab Tahreem al-Kahana and in the prohibition of fortune-telling. And that hadith is similar in meaning, though it doesn't mention the whole of this hadith, but it mentions much of it. In that case, some of the hadith is definitely confirmed by the authentic hadith reported by Muslim, and some of it is not confirmed, and we will make a distinction between them as we go. In this hadith, he mentions an nawas ibn Sam'an, radiallahu anhu, that Nawaz, radiallahu anhu, said, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى أَنْ يُوحِيَ بِالْأَمْرِ فَكَلَّمَ بِالْوَحِي That whenever Allah wills, arada, whenever Allah wills to reveal something, to reveal any matter or any command, Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills to reveal any matter or command, he speaks, and he speaks out that revelation. He speaks with the revelation that he intends to reveal. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks with that revelation that he intends to reveal, when he speaks, the heaven is shaken. Or, ra'datan shadidatan, yani ra'da and rujfa, it means almost the same. It means to tremor or to shiver or to shudder or to shake severely. That the heavens is shaken severely. The narrator was unsure, but he used the word rajfatan or ra'datan. In any case, both of these words have a similar meaning. Uh, that the heavens shake, the heavens shake. And the heavens don't have a soul or a mind. The heavens are a created thing that doesn't have a mind or a soul, yet they shake from the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَا سَمِيَ ذَلِكَ أَهْلُ السَّمَاوَاتِ سَعِكُوا وَخَرُّوا لِلَّهِ So if the people, the inhabitants of the heavens, meaning the angels, if and when they hear that, 
يعني the speaking of Allah سبحانه وتعالى with the revelation that He intends to reveal. If they hear it, then they fall into a swoon, unconscious. سعيكو. They themselves fall into a swoon, unconscious. وخروا لله سجدا. And then when they come to consciousness, they prostrate to Allah سبحانه وتعالى. And they, they prostrate in submission to Allah سبحانه وتعالى. فيكون أول من يرفع رأسه جبريل. Then the first one to raise his head. After that, it is Jibreel. فَيُكَلِّمُهُ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَحْيِهِ بِمَا أَرَادَ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to him from his revelation. بِمَا أَرَادَ With that which he wills. With whatever Allah wills. Allah speaks to him with whatever he wills. And this is also a point of aqidah that the speech of Allah is connected to his mashiach or his irada that Allah speaks whenever he wills. However he wills. With whatever he wills. As opposed to some of the deviants who said that the speech of Allah is created. And that Allah doesn't continue to speak, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks whenever He wills, at any time. He spoke before, and He speaks now, and He will speak in the future. He speaks whenever He wills, as indicated in this hadith, uh, and in other proofs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks however He wills. بِمَا أَرَادَ ثُمَّ يَمُرُّ جِبْرِيلُ عَلَى الْمَلَائِكَةِ Then, the angel Jibreel passes by the other angels after Allah speaks to him. كُلَّمَا مَرَّ بِسَمَاءٍ سَأَلَهُ مَلَائِكَتُهَا مَاذَا قَالَ رَبُّنَا يَا جِبْرِيلٌ And every time he passed one of the heavens, and this is confirmed in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, the number that there are different heavens and there are angels in each of those heavens, every time he passed by one of the heavens, the angels of that heaven asked him, مَاذَا قَالَ رَبُّنَا يَا جِبْرِيلٌ What has our Lord said? O Jibreel, فَيَقُولُ جِبْرِيلٌ Then he, Jibreel, says to them, قال الحق وهو العلي الكبير he has spoken the truth and he is العلي the one who is high above everything is كبير the one who is greater than everything فيقولون كلهم مثل ما قال جبريل and all of them all of those angels when they hear such they repeat saying similarly as what جبريل has said فينتهي جبريل بالوحي إلى حيث أمره الله عز وجل then جبريل ends up at the place that Allah سبحانه وتعالى has ordered him to go to with the revelation uh, the shaking of the heavens at the speech of Allah is not confirmed in the hadith in Sahih Muslim. However, uh, the uh, the the prostration for the and the submission of the angels at the speech of Allah and the speaking of Allah to the angel Jibril and the angel Jibril passing down through the heavens, speaking to the angels at every level, all of this is confirmed. And the end of the hadith is confirmed in the ayat and in the previous hadith reported by Al-Bukhari. From this hadith, the shaykh, or the gentleman of this hadith, the shaykh says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu in this hadith informs us that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks with, his, with the revelation that he intends, that the heavens are shaken and that the angels fall into unconsciousness into a swoon for fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to his greatness and glory then the first one to come to awareness from amongst them is Jibreel alayhi salam then Allah speaks to him with whatever he wills and then Jibreel reaches or ends up at the place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills him to take that revelation yani to the prophet or to the messenger as it was his assignment especially to take the revelation to the prophets and messengers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to the various nations 
And when he is descending from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the presence of Allah through the heavens to go to the earth to deliver the, the revelation to the Prophet, at every heaven that he passed by, the inhabitants of that heaven ask him, what is the thing which the Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has spoken? And then he answers them saying that he has spoken the confirmed truth and he is the high, the one who is high above everything. He is the great, the most great, the one who is greater than everything. And nothing is similar to him and nothing is equal to him. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions the number of point seven, and those basically all of these points are confirmed in the previous hadith on the ayat, the confirmation of the sifr or the quality of al irada, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, that Allah has a will, irada. And number two, the confirmation of the characteristic of al kalam, speech, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, and that his speech is heard, that, that the speech of Allah, it has a self, and it's something. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, his speech is heard. When he speaks with revelation, he's heard. Heard by the angel Jibreel and heard by the angels in the heavens uh, also. Number three, the clarification of the Allah, the greatness and glory and magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, the clarification that all of the heavens that all of them are inhabited, and that at every level of the heavens they are inhabitants, they are angels that inhabit them. Number five, that the clarification of the excellence or virtue or merit of Jibreel السلام, above the rest of the angels, and that Allah SWT has chosen him and selected him specifically to deliver the revelations. Number six, the confirmation of the characteristic of Al-Qawl, that what has been attributed to Allah of speech Yani that it is confirmed, yani that when Allah speaks, it is, yani his speech is attributed to himself, yani that he said or that he says. In many places in the Quran, it is mentioned that such expressions as qala or yaqulu, showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it is confirmed for him al-qawl, or speech, the attribution to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking. Number seven, the confirmation of two of the names of Allah, al-Ali and al-Kabir, the most high and the most great the one whom no one is greater than. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter heading is that this hadith clarifies the condition of the angels and that they are in fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the relationship of this hadith to tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the angels, while they are of the greatest of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greatest of the greatest of his creatures, that the angels fear Allah, they are in fear and awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, therefore, the worship of them, the worship of the angels, is false and it is shirk. Yani the fact that they are in fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and submission to Him is a proof that to worship them is false and to offer worship to other than Allah is shirk. This is the end of yani, what the Shaykh has said here. And Alhamdulillah, since there is some time remaining, we can look at the Messiah quickly. The Messiah of Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Wahhab, the Kitab Tawheed, that's not mentioned in the Sharh. Uh, and those Messiah are many, we will just mention them quickly. And the first of them is Tafsir of the Ayat and the explanation of the Ayat in Surah Al-Sabah, which we discussed. The second of them is uh, the proofs that are contained in this Ayat in refutation of Shirk, especially those people who do shirk, yani, because they are attached to the righteous, 
any of the prophets or the saints or whatever. And this ayat proves that the worship and the attachment to anyone other than Allah is false and incorrect. And this ayat it has been said that it cuts off the roots of the tree of shirk from its heart. And this ayat is a devastating proof against shirk at its roots. Number three, the tafsir of the saying of Allah, they said that Allah said the truth and He is the most high, the most great. And the explanation of this saying, the meaning of it is that the angels, when they act, some of them others, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say after they came forth, after the fear and terror was removed from their hearts, they said that He had spoken the truth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't speak anything except the truth. Whatever he says, it is true, and he is the most high, the most great. The fourth of them is the reason for their asking what he has said, and the reason is their fear that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said something or judged something that might be the cause of their punishment. So they were in fear, and they were anxious to hear what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. Number five, that the angel Jibreel uh, answered the others when they asked what Allah has said, and he answered by saying, Qala kada wa kada, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said such and such and so and so. And he perhaps mentioning what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. And if it's from the affairs or the matters that are not of the specific matters of revelation that are sent to the prophets, but if it's of the matters of Allah's decree that's known to the inhabitants of the heavens, some of the angels may know about what Allah has decreed in some matters and the angel Jibril might mention to them that Allah has said such and such and so and so. Also the mention that the first of those to raise their head after being in a swoon, that it is Jibreel alayhi salam. Uh, and this is a distinction for the angel Jibreel, who is the leader of the Malaika. Uh, and that the angel Jibreel says to the inhabitants of the heavens, to all of them, and he speaks to all of them and tells them what Allah has said, because all of them are asking him, all of them are anxious to know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. Number eight, that the swoon or the unconsciousness that they fell into, it is general for the inhabitants of the heavens and the earth, the heavens. And it is general for the inhabitants of the heavens, all of them. And that every, all of the creatures in the heavens, all the angels, fall into a swoon. None of them are exempted from it, not even Jibril. Number nine, the shaking of the heavens due to the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, and it is not confirmed in the narration of Imam Muslim. And therefore, and we can't use this as a proof here from this hadith. Number 10, that Jibreel, uh, that he always delivers the revelation where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him. And yani that he always ends up in the place that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him to deliver the revelation to whom he has ordered him to take it to. Number 11, the mention of the stealing, stealing of a hearing from the heavens by the shayateen, the shayateen, the devils from amongst the jinn. Number 12, the description of how some of the shayateen from amongst the jinn climb, some of them how they climb, some above others, as in the description of Sufyan, Rahimahullah, describing them by leaning his hand forward and separating his fingers, showing that the jinn climb one of them above another. Number 13, the sending of fire, or flames of fire, to destroy those jinn when they steal a hearing. Some of them it catches and some of them they may deliver it before they are destroyed. Number 14, and that's number 14, that sometimes that flame of fire might reach them before they deliver what they have heard, and sometimes uh, they may deliver it to the ear of the one who 
their yani their uh, associates from amongst the human beings before the flame reaches them. Yani their associates from amongst the human beings, meaning the fortune tellers or magicians. Number fifteen, the fact that the fortune tellers, al kahim, sometimes say something that is true. Yani sometimes they steal a hearing from the heavens and they pass that to the people. So sometimes what they say may be true, though most of what they say is false. Number 16, that they add to that truth which they have heard from the heavens, lies, 100 of them. Number 17, that they are not believed, yani their lies are not believed except because of that word of truth which they have heard from the heavens. Yani the reason why people believe their falsehood is because of the one truth that they may have told the people which they have told from the heavens. Number 18, the acceptance of the human beings, of the soul, their inclination and attraction to falsehood. Look at how they are attracted to one, and by one truth, without giving consideration to 100 lies that are added to it. And they become attached and attracted to and convinced by one truth that they hear from the fortune teller, without giving any consideration, they overlook the 100 lies that he tells. Uh, the 19th point for issue that some of them receive that word which they stole the hearing from the heavens, some of them receive it from others and they protect it or memorize it and preserve, preserve it and then they use it as a proof yani they use it as a proof uh, that then to get people attracted to them while most of what they say is lying number 20 the confirmation of the sifat of Allah subhanahu the qualities and characteristics of Allah contrary to the rejection of these sifat by the Ashariya and the Mu'attila and the Ashariya and the Mu'attila who reject the sifat of Allah or and the Mu'attila they devoid them of meaning and the Ashariya re-explain them make ta'wil of the meaning of the sifat of Allah explaining them to mean other than their reality while we are expected to confirm the sifat of Allah, whatever has come to us authentically in the sunnah or what is mentioned by Allah Taala about himself in the Qur'an. And the confirmation of Allah's sifat is the way, the methodology of the people of sunnah contrary to the ashariya who reinterpret Allah's characteristics. Saying that when Allah describes himself as being angry, it means that he will punish the people. Or when he says that he is pleased with someone, it means that he will reward the people. And his descending from the heaven to the heaven of this world on the last third of the night, it means that his command descends, and so on. Reinterpreting all of the sifat of Allah, and this is contrary to the way of the people of Sunnah. The twentieth point, uh, the clarification, or the, the direct statement that the shaking of the heavens and the unconsciousness of the angels for fear of, is for fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And twenty-one, that the angels frustrate themselves that they fall down in prostration to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the end of the issues. After the adhan, inshallah, we'll look at the questions quickly.
inshallah hopefully we have 10 minutes before they call the camera. These days they are racing. Uh, the first question, who is referred to in the word until when terror, Hazaran, is removed from their heart? The angels. Although some of the scholars of Tafsir said that it refers to the people on the on Yom Qiyamah, that when their terror is removed from their hearts, the enemy, then they will say, what has your Lord spoken? What judgment has he made? But actually, the correct uh, Tafsir of this ayah is, as has been mentioned here, based on the hadith of the Prophet recorded by Bukhari. What is the cause of this terror or fear, Fazarun, in their hearts? Naam, Allah's greatness, majesty, and power, and the hearing of the speech of Allah. Yani, the, the, the terror and fear enters their heart from hearing the speech of Allah subhanahu due to his greatness, glory, majesty, and power. Number three, what is meant by the words, he has spoken the truth? Qal al-haq. Al-qalu al-haq. They said he has spoken the truth. What does it mean he has spoken the truth? We said that there are two possible meanings of this expression. One of them is that the angels know what Allah has said, they know what he has said, and they are saying it is, they are confirming that what he has said is true. And the other is, even if they don't know what he has said, they know that it is from the sifat of Allah, that he only speaks the truth. Whatever he said, it is true, even if they don't know what he said. Both of these are possible interpretations of this expression. Number four, explain what the author intends to show or to prove by this chapter heading. What does the author intend to show by this chapter heading? The words of Allah when terror is removed from their hearts. He's pointing to the fact that the angels, which they are of the most perfect and the best and greatest and powerful of Allah's speeches, from amongst the best of Allah's speeches, and even they are from amongst those who sometimes the people call upon and rely upon and supplicate to and worship falsely. However, the angels themselves worship Allah and are in fear of Allah due to His greatness and glory. Then the, shaykh, the Imam is saying here, if there is terror in the hearts of the angels for fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they don't have any right to be worshipped. How about those who are less than them? Yani those who are worshipping trees and stones and uh, statues and those who are dead in the grave. The point is that a shirk is rejected, clearly, for sure. Yani if those things which are left or that which is greater should, doesn't have the right to be worshipped then that which is less has less right to be worshipped. Therefore nothing should be worshipped except Allah. Number five explains the tashbih or the comparison in the words, the sound of a metal chain upon a solid smooth stone. And what is the tashbih or the comparison here in these words in this hadith? There is tashbih between what? Is it between the voice of Allah, hearing the voice of Allah and hearing the sound of a chain, a metal chain being dragged across a smooth stone? sound of the angel's wings, the comparison between the sound of the angel's wings and the chain, it is a comparison between the condition, the state that the angels are in, the effect, the effect, how it affects their heart, it reaches their heart even, the awe and terror of Allah, yani the fear that they are in from hearing the voice of Allah, that fear is being compared to the fear that a human being might experience from hearing the sound of a chain being dragged across a smooth, solid stone. Yani, the, the condition of the angels of fear is being compared, as a result of hearing the voice of Allah, is being compared to the condition 
of the human beings if they heard the sound of the chain being dragged across the stone. Yani the condition of the angels and the condition of the one who hears this sound is what is being compared here. What is meant by Mustarak al-Sama? And how did Sufyan, rahimahullah, explain what they do? What is meant by Mustarak al-Sama? Mustarak al-Sama is what? Mustarak is from Sarika, stealing. Assam, stealing a hearing. What is meant by Mustarak al-Sama? Those who steal a hearing, they eavesdrop it from among the jinn, the shayateen from the jinn. And what is, uh, how did Sufyan explain what they do? How did he explain what they do? How did they steal a hearing? He demonstrated it by what? By his hand, his palm, pointing out his hand, inclining his hand forward, and separating his fingers, showing that each finger being above the other, even not connecting, but being separated. This is how the jinn climb one upon another, perhaps hundreds or thousands of them until one reaches the heavens, and they sit there and listen for hearing. Uh, what is a sahir? A sahir and a dahir. What is the meaning of a sahir? The magician. And what is al-kahin? And what do they do? What do the fortune tellers do? They claim to know about the unseen matters, to know about the future, to be able to predict, predict what will happen. And the magicians are those who make that which is false appear to be real. And they distort the images by affecting the hearts or minds of the people, making them think something is other than what it is. Uh, mention two of the asma of Allah found in the above evidences. Al-Ali and Al-Kabir. Al-Ali is the one who is high above everything in his being as well as his characteristics are lofty and noble. And Al-Kabir is the one who is great, who is greater than everything. Nothing is equal to him or similar to him. He is Al-Azim, the one who is great, supreme, mighty. Mention two of the sifat of Allah, Al-Ulu and Al-Kibr. Highness and greatness, and mention some of the important points understood from this chapter. There are many we have mentioned, you may take them from your notes. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. 